And that about a month prior to taking on this project, that is examining the autopsies in patients who died shortly after vaccination, as well as examining biopsies in living patients who were vaccinated, you were about to head into retirement. Yes. And you decided to take on this work without much recognition, without pay. You, why, are, why are you doing this work? What motivates you to continue to do this? Well, it's, uh, I think it's a uh, human responsibility. I mean, if, if I have education and the ability to uh, uh, see and uh, uh, make a diagnostic in the microscope and I see something that is alarming and that may be uh, a threat to, well, actually all humanity, uh, there's no way out. Well, now I would like to give you an opportunity to address your colleagues, fellow pathologists, fellow medical professionals. What do you have to say to them? Let me think a bit. Well, I think uh, one of the things is always uh, question what so-called experts tell you. Uh, this is, uh, is not in the interest of the people. You don't need top scientists. You need soundly thinking people. I mean, I can very well remember that uh, there was some kind of a panic in Reutling some, uh, in the 19... 80s, uh, 90, in the 1990s, because there was was a seven-year-old girl dying and uh, an eight-year-old uh, boy dying of uh, of uh, the flu. And actually, at that time, I did the autopsy, and uh, I uh, I tried to uh, give the specimens to the uh, to to be examined by uh, by a virologist and nobody wanted to pay for it actually at the time I had to pay for it myself uh, so something went wrong mm -hmm. and uh, well you know what that shows me that shows me that throughout your career you have been making an effort to do what is right and that's exactly what you're doing right well, now even if it's difficult even if you face challenges even if there's no Hey, but, you are doing what is right. Well, I think this is the obligation if you are a doctor. And I mean, if I see a car heading for a child on the street, I have to do something. I cannot just turn my back and say, well, bad luck. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, 
a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. That's an odd thing to happen. I rarely meet my mic. Oh, that's right. We were playing a video to start. <laughs> Friday, June 9th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. I wanted to start with that clip, actually, because it's really important to understand how important this work was to Professor Burkhart and what he has been working on this entire time. There's a lot of it. I'm going to play a clip today, in fact, when we get into the focus we're going to have today. Something I've already played on this show about his discussion of the spike protein and what that does ending up replacing your sperm and a lot of different arguments he was making using his research and proving this. It's just, it's just such a sad reality to see that people like this, you know, get disparaged and pushed aside and called conspiracy theorists. When you can see, as you'll find out more when you watch this upcoming interview, that it's just, this is something being done because he cares about you and doesn't even know who you are. That's the kind of person this was. And that's important to understand. That's how a lot of people in this field are because they're the, interesting framing of saying that something like what we do, for example, is all about profiteering and making money. Those people don't really understand what it takes to do this and understand the lack of resources and revenue that is almost guaranteed with doing this work. And it's just, you guys know this, you're all here for that very reason, but that will be coming out soon. And this, as you can tell, it was, it was a highly produced multi-camera 4k interview, and it's going to have a lot of important information. A lot of his important work. I think it's looking to be about a three hour interview. We had talked about cutting it up, and we both, I think we both agree that it's important just to put this out so people can see it with the full impact of everything that was said. Very important. Now, today we are going to talk about a focus on Sky Covion, a very concerning injection that we've recently talked about. This may be a little bit inside baseball for some people out there that haven't been following along, think COVID is over. I mean, ultimately, or not aware that it was a complete illusion that we were all lied to about. But what is not going away is the continual step in this direction, both in regard to COVID-19, the spike protein, but as well as the nanoparticle delivery system, right? The, the machine, deep learning, I guess, what's the best word? Like artificial intelligence used to define what the next spike protein will look like and then using that to continue on the platform work. And all they will need even more is so now they can predict using this injection, which we'll get into, what this next spike protein will be, I guess we'll have to guess, take their word for it, assuming it's even there, based on their deep learning artificial intelligence program, and then applying that to a platform system that doesn't require safety testing from the last time because we're just using the same. Great. So what do we actually have? Now we've got um, them telling us of something that's going to come using a system that has been fleshed out once, or even then we realize that we know that that's not even the case the system that hurt people from the day one, the injections that are still killing people to this day. But it's all good, though. It's all been proven, safe and effective. You listen to the news, everything's proven. It's happened. 20 years of research. Everything's good to go. All these same talking points. So we're going to go through this injection based on the information that we have available and show you why very easily you can see this thing is primed to be not just dangerous like every the exact reasons we've talked about before in these injections, but that it is in fact very clearly set up to be the exact kind of scam that we've seen the entire time. And I mean that in the sense of, you know, 14, 21 days after the fact, oh, but you'll find out surprisingly this time it's 14 days after the second shot. Let that one sink in. That's what the document says. So now apparently if we're depending on what they say, the mid, the end, the middle time is, Maybe this time it's a month. Well, now we've got 30 days plus 14. Let's just say it's a week. So now you're looking at 
21 days. But I'm going to bet you it's probably 14 days and then another 14 days. The point is that you have this gigantic period, which based on what they're putting forward, again, this is preliminary. Uh, not preliminary because it's been approved, which is kind of the biggest shock to me out of all of it. But the fact that it hasn't, it's still, when this begins to be used and given and there's mantras and talking points, we'll have to address it then. But it looks to be very clear it's going to be the same kind of game where they can kick this down the road and say, oh, anything that happened in this one month period isn't applied to the injection because it doesn't even work until 21 days. That's the same game. Now we're going to go over all the information we have and show you why I think this is the case, where it seems to be leading, as well as a couple of other points in regard to another injection. The self-amplifying version, they both are, what that means and why this is so concerning. But we're going to start with a couple of points in regard to Arne Burkhart's, Professor Arne Burkhart's, uh, the late Professor Arne, Arne Burkhart's research in regard to the DNA contamination. And I think this is an interesting overlap to where this all goes. It's concerning to me that this is even still happening. The fact that we're in this position, in this position, and ultimately nobody seems to care in positions of authority that we already know this isn't working. Despite Fauci putting his article out in the cell.com that says this isn't working. Now, one of the main things he said in that article was that, well, the idea of how this works in regard to not gaining mucosal immunity you know, the thing that Baki told us would guarantee these wouldn't work. How did he magically know that when nobody else did? They all did, is the point. And he was the one being honest, or at least the one brave enough to say it out loud. I'll play one of his clips in a minute. But that's the same thing they're doing now. So if Fauci wrote an entire article kind of waxing about how we realized this didn't work and we need to take more insight from the people that have learned, and yet the next one does the same thing. How exactly does a shot going in your shoulder muscle affect or create mucosal immunity it doesn't and he admitted that so explain why they're still making shots that do the same thing arguing that it's safe and effective because they can prove some kind of response in your body or excuse me in an animal in a lab but even then in the body that it does cause something to happen but is that in fact what we're being told and is that safe and effective or is it even different or connected with the mountain of side effects that we know are associated with the delivery system the spike protein itself and God only knows what else they're doing after we get through this machine learning or deep learning, artificial intelligence direction. So let's start off with this important clip here or, or uh, article that we put out, a show we recently did. Just again, a couple of points in regard to the late professor and, and his work. This is something that's really important to understand is the one thing he was working on is the the autopsies and showing you the things that we've been talking about. And a lot of us have been trying to call out for a long time, but proving it, going through the bodies of people that had passed away in quick succession after their injections and showing, you know, what happened and why. Now, just if you want to know more background on this before we get to his work, not today, but in upcoming interviews. This is something that people have already talked about in regard to the hiding of this. CDC ignores 75 autopsies linking death to COVID jab. We already talked about one from a while before that, showing you that the person that they did an autopsy on after the injection, and they randomly died, that we don't know why, safe and effective, that they had mRNA in every organ in their body. That was the peer-reviewed study. That's not even getting into the lipid nanoparticle concentration and how that ends up going everywhere in your body, like even Pfizer's own study found before this. And yet somehow they weren't able to connect that with the fact that it didn't stay in your shoulder muscle. <laughs> Shocking. Or as we shall know by now, they knowingly lied about that. And only piece, apparently conspiracy theorists and, and people that can't read science are aware of that. 
despite the fact that we can literally prove that. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Obviously, the reality is people that think they're trusting the science are plugging their ears and stomping their feet and pretending the only thing that matters is the narrative and calling that science. Anyway, you can go through this research and you can check this out for yourself. Here is a recent one. Some studies or some some sudden deaths caused by COVID-19 vaccines. Autopsies confirm. This is a new one from Epoch Times. This is June 6th. Oops. It's not, it's, it's completely, the, the research is continuing. One after another, they're continuing to find the same thing. And it's weird how the trust the science people are continuing to say that that doesn't matter. Well, here's a link, a video I just played for you. I want to play this again, and then I'll show you a couple of more points, and then we'll jump into the opening part of the Skype, the Sky Kobion. Now, this is something in regard to the same point, some of the same stuff that Arne Burkhart was working on, not the autopsies, but rather the, in, in the, what was in these things. Separate labs across the globe have now found mRNA vaccines are heavily contaminated with DNA plasmids. These DNA plasmids can infect the E. coli in your gut and make your gut perpetual spike factory. Now, I'll let you listen to this. This woman is a, has, is a, has a doctorate in this topic, and she is telling you, alongside other studies like this, which is Kevin McKernan, who we referenced before, who also does this. It's, this is a lot of his work, actually. Sequencing the bivalent Moderna and Pfizer mRNA vaccines reveals nanogram to microgram quantities of expression vector DS DNA per dose. This is the kind of shocking information, peer-reviewed, round the world, as you're going to hear her describe, that should be breaking news across every platform in the world. But apparently, you're only going to hear it on The Last American Vagabond and other independent media that care to point this out. Shows you how crazy this is. You know, where's all the, the new quasi-independent breaking from the corporate media types out there? They're telling you they're the only real ones. You know, where, anyway, I don't want to call anybody out today. I don't feel like it. But here, here is this important clip that we've already played that overlaps with all this research and does play a factor, which we'll get into right next in regard to the new injections and where that goes, because all of this is still part of the same game because realize they're not doing new safety tests. They're telling you that we can just extrapolate this from the old one. And they're even doing that right now with this new one, including AstraZeneca shot acting like that's somehow safe using that as a control to compare it to the injection. Yeah, that's real. We're going to read into it. It's so mind-blowing how they're using this. They're standing on a broken scenario. Whatever, scenario is not the best word. They're literally, it's a burned-down house of an agenda. They're standing on that, and they're building new things on top of it and acting like, because we know this house is perfectly built, then this one's going to stand just right. That's where we are. And it's absolutely mind-blowing. If those that don't follow this channel, it will make more sense as we go through the actual data. Listen to this very intelligent expert tell you what the rest of the world is also finding. It's Jancy Chun Lindsay. I'm a toxicologist and a molecular biologist with over 30 years of scientific experience, including vaccine development experience. Molecular biology is the study of DNA, RNA, and proteins, and I have a doctorate-level degree in this. I appreciate your allowing me to speak on the urgent issue of the contamination of the COVID mRNA genetic vaccines. Three separate labs across the globe have now found that the mRNA vaccines, both Pfizer and Moderna, are heavily contaminated with the DNA plasmids used to create the shots in large volume. <clears throat> the contamination was found in every vial tested of eight files by genomist Kevin McKernan, both the monovalent shots and the boosters. The contaminating DNA plasmas are designed to infect E. coli in which they are grown in large volumes. They're supposed to be separated away from the shot <clears throat> and the code 
that's injected into you as their presence introduces DNA that is not allowed in the shots and which increases the risk of genomic integration in anaphylaxis. One point right there that's one point right there that's important. It, it, all, everything else aside, even like you can say that's not dangerous, it's not a problem, it's not supposed to be there. And, and by that very reasoning, it's illegal. What they're doing is right. It's not right now. They have something that is not allowed in this shot. Shouldn't that be enough before all the narrative starts spinning around? Because what happens as, as we've seen so far is that these things happen. They deny, 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 deny. And then eventually when they realize no one's we're still seeing it and we're still proving it, they come back in with some kind of a half-hearted deal. Well, here's why it might be a little bit, but you're still wrong. Sort of like, there's no Nazis. Oh, they're kind of Nazis. No, they're totally Nazis, but here's why. You know, that's the, the Ukraine version. But this is the same kind of game that's always played. So when we eventually get to the point where they feel like they have to address this, they start acting like, well, here's why this is not the bad kind of DNA contamination or whatever they start saying. It doesn't even matter. It's not supposed to be there. And it is. And it's being verified around the world from multiple labs, not connected. But apparently it's all conspiracy theory unless the CDC says it. In Pfizer vaccines, these DNA plasmids are found to be <clears throat> present at up to one third of the shot material. So this is not a slight contamination in the least. These DNA plasmids can infect the E. coli in your gut and make your gut a perpetual spike factory. To me, that sounds intentional. I don't know how in the world you could have a third if that's actually what, what the reality is and that's what they're finding without that being intentional. That's my opinion. They also have a human promoter from the SV40 uh, virus. Those of us who are old enough to have received the polio vaccine, you'll remember that some of those vaccines were contaminated with the SV40 uh, virus. This is a cancer-causing promoter that allows these plasmids to also infect our human cells. The promoter also has a localization signal that allows it to go to the nucleus of cells, making it more likely that there will be a genomic integration event from these shots. Mm -hmm. This most often results in cancers. Which is what we're the seeing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, my apologies. Cancers of various form. An additional serious issue with the plasmid contamination is that they carry two antibiotic resistant genes, tecanamycin and neomycin. These are two major antibiotics that we use in medicine today. Canamycin is used to treat tuberculosis, and neomycin is a broad-spectrum antifungal that most of us use in triple antibiotic. These are used in hospitals all over the country today, and we have many immigrants coming across our border, border that are carrying tuberculosis. The potential consequence of this is that anybody injected with these contaminated shots could become antibiotic resistant to those two major classes of antibiotic of antibiotics. Here's an interesting thought. We've been, I mean, not we, but the, the, the powers that shouldn't be, the media, have been kind of quietly on and off hyping behind the scenes this rising antibiotic resistant bug threat. At the same time, acting like it's not important, don't look at this, but, you know, like, like they tend to do. Here and there, floating an article about how we're not paying attention to this, but no one does anything about it, right? This just continues down the line, like dioxin and whatever else we're still struggling with today, only now going, oh, this might be a problem, even though they've seen it for 20 years. So my question is, do you think that's intentional, right? Is this what they're doing with these jabs intended to create the circumstances where we create these, you know, I mean, that when it eventually becomes, which because of what they're overusing antibiotics and what they're doing, an antibiotic resistant superbug and you can bacteria or whatever, both theories can consider that. 
that that doesn't that seem like a perfect boon for people, especially if you think that they don't care about people dying in the process and maybe there's something they can do to stop. And you're just thinking out loud. Of course, the people scream that's conspiracy theory because you're not allowed to theorize about what might be happening these days because that's just dumb. Trust the science, safe and effective. <laughs> no, that's stupid. But continuing. The potential consequence of these plasmids being injected into billions of people carrying these genes is that they can also be shed. As workers in Seattle showed, there Mm -hmm. were lab workers working with COVID in Seattle that became contaminated with the plasmids that they were working with. The plasmids infected their nasal cavities. They took these plasmids home and shed them to their family members. And don't forget, their own trial said that in their own data. About remember the, the 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 exposure to contact within a room of a pregnant person and, and their spouse, they knew about this. They were found because the lab workers remained positive for COVID for several months, and they couldn't figure out why they kept testing positive for COVID. It was because they were carrying these plasmids in their nasal cavities, and they did pass them on to their family members. Mm. This is a very, very serious matter and has been brought up to the FDA and CDC several months ago, but they have not responded in any manner at all. Typically, this type of contamination would get the shots pulled off of the market immediately. We have seen an egregious number of deaths and disabilities that Laura discussed and and some of my colleagues will further discuss. We are up to over 35,000 deaths in the CDC VAERS system. These may be in part due to this contamination. Uh, This could also be an explanation for why the spike proteins and the mRNA have been found so far out from inoculation and what some people are calling long COVID and found in tissues of the brain and the testes many months out from inoculation. mRNA is already being proposed to be used in cattle and is used, has been used in swine since 2018 without our knowledge and without our permission. Now, the question right there is, does that also have the same DNA contamination? on like the, the 2018 forward swine injections, right? I mean, if it's, if it's on purpose, then why wouldn't it? They're not even checking this stuff. Nobody even knew about that. Historically, the genetic vaccines and the gene therapy had never been brought to market because of the severe adverse effects, including multiple cancers and lethal autoimmune reactions. Mm-hmm. These issues had not been resolved when they rolled out this, this genetic vaccine platform to billions of people. I know as a molecular biologist, they had not been resolved. We are asking for an immediate call, recall of these vaccines due to these significant dangers. The contamination of the shots and the adulteration of the shots, including the degradation of the mRNA, which has also been found. Mm-hmm. The risk they pose to others through shedding and being passed on through the germline to the next generation as inadvertent gene transfer. We are asking that the entire platform be banned in food agriculture, and especially for human use until further research can be done. I mean, what exactly is it that they think these people are doing? So this is a high-level doctorate, you know, scientist with all sorts of credentials worldwide, having multiple labs in other places of the world, finding the same thing, corroborating what they're finding. But this, these people are sitting there going, oh, they watch Ryan's show and they're super confused. They were somehow influenced by corporate, by, by, by conspiracy theorists. It's just, it's really naive to think that, I mean, certainly people can be influenced by things they find online. But are we really going to pretend? Like, so what does that mean then? That, that these people that went through the same things, I mean, I, you could think about this forever. I just find it hilarious to think that they're framing somebody like that as just 
dismissed because, oh, they think that thing, they must have watched right-wing media. It's like, God, it's just really stupid. But what are they talking about, right? The shedding and so on, or the, the, the DNA, the, the lip or the um, plasmids she's talking about. Now, is that the same thing as the spike protein that's leaving and floating around and it's causing disease and so on? Are we just calling it something different? It's so crazy to think about. And the reality is, as she said, these things would be shut down with any other historical event. I mean, this is the most obvious part of this for most average people that don't see all this. How many things do we need to see? How many real world problems with the, the rising Bayer's problems? They just go, don't look at that while they use it in their, own, in their own way. Or the DNA contamination or any other side effect we're seeing or myocarditis or all these different problems that are well above, even by their own admission, the levels that we're supposed to be allowed. And again, the, the point I used to make, Take the things they're admitting. Put those in a pile. That's worse than anything we've ever seen before in regard to what they've admitted to. And yet it's still being used or still being allowed. It's not pulled off the market. It just shows you that there's such an obvious agenda to what that agenda is. We could debate all day, but something is keeping this in line, keeping this in use, despite anything we can put forward, despite any evidence that's coming out, despite every single claim, literally every claim they put forward about this thing being at the very least not what we were told. Everything transmission, efficacy. I mean, my God, how do we not see how obvious this is? Now, here is Kevin McKernan's post showing this this same kind of point about other research and how ridiculous the, the trust the science crowd are about all this. Because again, this is his study. He puts this out. Remember when they shrink, shrieked about this being a preprint, which they love to do, but then point those out all the time when it says something they want. Now it's published, of course. So how does that make sense? It's fake news. It's a preprint, you conspiracy theorists. Well, now it's a peer-reviewed study. So now are you going to pretend like it doesn't exist? Most likely. And it's the one we just showed you recently. The effectiveness of the coronavirus disease by Bayon, the newest one they're still giving people. The point was the same, that the more you take it, the more you get sick. Yep, that's exactly what it says. The risk of COVID-19 increased with time since the most recent and prior episode and, and with the number of vaccine doses previously received. Oops. Yeah, peer-reviewed. The more shots you get, the more you get sick. Weird, right? Isn't it like what we're saying in 2020 based on their own data? Yeah, it was. But yet we're still censored everywhere. And, you know, it's just this is this is the world we live in. So we're going to get into the Sky Beyond shot next. Just want to open with a couple of those points. Before we do that, I want to once again shout out how you can support this platform. Now, we are a user-funded platform. And we can't exist without you. Now, I, I, it, it, by in large, I'm seeing that most people out there are, are being squeezed and struggling right now. We all are. I think that's the reality of what's going on. Around the world, we're being driven somewhere very clearly, and the financial strings are being used more than anything. The last thing I want people to, have, to feel like they should be doing this if you can't do it. That's the last, not what I'm asking. So if you're out there and you can't, you have no ability to do this, if you want to, then just share the content. That's all I want. More than anything else, I just want you to read, engage with, share the content, and talk about it with people. Have T-Lab parties and sit around and talk about the links and have conversations about it. That's really important, and nobody does that anymore. But if you do want to, and you do have the ability to share and, and promote this platform on a financial level because we need you, here's the website donation link you can use. Donate multiple different ways. Here is our T-Lab Substack. Oh, it looks like, oh, I didn't, it looks like, oh, look at this. Hold on. I just opened this in succession. I didn't see these. So it looks like Scott put up some posts today. T-Lab weekly wrap-up, uh, which which eventually will be happening every week. So keep an eye out for that. And then we have the Unjected Show, which I'll be on tonight. I'm glad this is here. Otherwise, I think I would have forgot to say this. The Unjected Show, which I'll be on tonight. So tune in. It'll be fun. We're going to get into personal stuff and, you know, sex life conversations, which you'll never hear on this show from me. So get, get, you be, tune in. Ask me questions. I'll be there. 
but it's, you know, unjected. It's like a love line kind of show for those dating ourselves a bit. And it should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. In any case, though, if you want to sign up for our uh, sub stack, you can, you can support the last American vagabond. Here is our new t-shirt from blue frog where you can support us here. Oh, I, I forgot this one. I think. Truth Clothing, which, by the way, is uh, both myself, Slow News Day, and uh, Lip the Veil. And you can get all of our T-shirts here, our sweaters and all stickers and everything else. That's one of the ways, as well as our autonomy program, where you can learn, you know, if you want to, how to do objective research, where I walk you through the different steps of, you know, to me, when they ask me to do this, I'm like, doesn't that seem pretty obvious? And everyone said, oh, I'd love to see it. So if you guys enjoy the seven-step method, which seems complicated, it's really not, of just being able to question everything and, and realize the, 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 tra- the traps put in your way. So you want to support us, guys? There's a lot of ways to do so. We're, I'm never going to stop doing this, but we can't do this to the level we want to unless anybody out there wants to continue supporting us. So let's start off with this. Now, again, don't forget the con- there's going to be some related points about the DNA contamination, the, the autopsy, the whole conversation there, as well as the, you know, in everything there. The, allu- the, the dangers of everything we've already seen and why that is definitely related to this on top of all the new concerns. So this approval for UK just took place on May 26, 2023. Now, we pointed to this twice, but we haven't gone into deeper. Now, I could go much deeper than this, in fact, and I might as this goes forward, but this is just the first dive we're going to do. This is Skycovion, if I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Now, what's interesting to me is what I discovered as I went through this. Now, I'm going to go through some of the things I did. I like to kind of show you my process and how I go through the research, kind of like a truncated version of, of this and how to do that. But so let me show you what I found in this process. So first of all, I found this phase one slash two trial. But I noticed it's spelled differently. Skycovion with an E at the end, I guess, if you pronounce it differently, maybe not. Found that was very interesting. Now, at first glance, I'm like, well, it's definitely the same thing. Same school, same research. Okay. But I wasn't sure. I wanted to vet this out because that's important for us to do. But here's what the first page said. Phase one and two clinical trial was carried out in 81 healthy adult subjects. That sure sounds solid, right? Who received a booster, Skycobione, dose seven months after the second dose. That's a very strange thing. Now, when you read these, you find out that that's there's... A lot of weird times involved with this. And I think what's most important to me is to, to see that in every one of these, it's th- there's often arbitrary times associated with these things. And I often wonder why. Like when I first saw that, why 14 days? Why Scotland says 21 days? And then you quickly find out weird that all of those problems seem to be happening right there. Now, I'm not going to go deep on this, but just in case those aren't, people aren't familiar with that, this is one of the first pages that we found this on. But you'll find this now pretty much anywhere you look. This was on the Alberta post that came out, and then it quickly deleted it, January 14, 2022, about all of the side effects and where they were occurring. This is Alberta, and you'll find this even if you look now. The point is that all of these things are conflating unvaccinated or anything that happens within the first two weeks. See that? They were unvaccinated or, so those numbers... These 64% of cases were happening in unvaccinated or anything that happened within first 14 days. That is, they conflate those. And you know that by now, we've talked about it a lot. What they deleted on this page, which is why we have to weigh back machine, was that it revealed that the vast majority, I'm talking over 80% in each case, well, total cases, hospitalizations, or deaths. For those in the podcast, it's a spike graph and just shows you that this is the cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. 80% of those happen within the first 14 to 21 days of the first shot. 
That's gigantic. And then when you realize if you kick all those down to unvaccinated, well, what does that give you? It gives you the illusion of a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And then when, of course, that got hard to hide anymore, they just shifted away from doing that. But we realized the, the game being played. So my point on all this is the timing of those is how they keep that illusory. And my why seven months and so on. Just keep that in mind as we go through it, because I think this is one of the largest illusions we see in this process. Now, one thing I thought was not surprising was the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and CEPI. What you'll find odd that the Gates Foundation seems to be left off as we go forward. <laughs> Not very surprising, seeing as how they, I think, are aware how much people don't like them right now. But they both funded this injection. So not surprising, it's yet another Gates-funded injection. That shouldn't be something people want right now, or at all. Based on all clinical data available, the vaccine was found to have an acceptable safety profile. Oh, great. And it's acceptable. Is that what you want in your child's arm when they're forcing it to go to school? It's acceptable. It's an odd choice of word, I think. And I think the bar is being dangerously lowered below dangerous, if that even makes sense. Like, my point is the bar has been pretty dangerous this whole time. Now they're going, well, let's lower that bar. It's an acceptable safe. So if safe and effective means dangerous today, what do you think acceptable means? <laughs> Just think about that. Quote, we will make utmost efforts to prepare for the endemic by accelerating the development of polyvalent vaccines and universal vaccine based on various platforms, in addition to conducting various clinical trials of Sky and Covion. So just so it's clear, in the earliest setting of this, it was about the same point polyvalent, meaning it's about multiple adjuvants or, you know, basically in this case, multiple spike proteins to multiple variants, which why the world we think that's safe, I don't know. We're seeing that it's not, especially with the spike protein itself being very clearly dangerous alone. But then about the universal vaccine and the platforms and all of this, and these are relevant and we'll show you why if you don't already know. But this was in July, 2022. In August last year, 2021, SK Bioscience announced a global phase three clinical trial of its COVID-19 vaccine candidate, VP, excuse me, GBP510. So that's very, remember this, just in case we're going through this, so you know this is the same thing, despite the weirdness of how this has evolved, which they say, they say yielded a positive interim result with 81 people. It shouldn't even be discussed. I mean, it's, it's, that, this is so preliminary, but yet they love just how these things. And let's not forget how often they told us that they were 99% effective and every trial everywhere was great. How's that working out for us now with the COVID injections? So I don't know why anybody would trust what these companies who are based entirely on making a profit at your expense are going to... GlaxoSmithKline, who we're talking about here, has been caught lying, just like Pfizer. So I don't know why anybody takes this at face value. But so here we are going forward 2022. So I first noticed, I'm like, okay, what's the difference in the name? So I looked up both. So Skycovion, it says, is a COVID vaccine candidate developed by SK Bioscience and the Institute for Protein Design and the University of Washington. And we're getting into that. That's the, that's the location where they're doing this deep learning kind of AI version of finding out what the spike protein will be. You can note that it's involving 4,737 patients. So I looked at this one. I was, okay, well, this is Skycovion, COVID vaccine developed by SK Chemicals. Hmm. Okay. Seems like a different thing, but it's not. Has cle been cleared for marketing by the UK MHRA. The vaccine contains nanoparticles and the spike protein. We'll get into all of that in a second. Also, 4,037. But this one mentions GlaxoSmithKline. That's interesting, isn't it? But why are they different? Now, this one says it utilizes GlaxoSmithKline's ASO3 adjuvant, but one of them that we get into, it talks about, oh, this says that's the same thing, in fact. But the point is, you get into this, there's a difference of who's involved at what stage. 
I'm, I'm coming to a point with this, and you'll see next. I'm just trying to flesh this out and find out where these numbers are coming from. Now, I looked up just the GP, GBP510, and that's saying the same thing. SK Biosciences, Adjuvant, so on. Same amount of trial people. So why are they all listed as different names? Why do they have different information if they're all the same thing? Just to be clear, we wanted to make sure we looked up SK Chemicals, and sure enough, that's the same company, same logo, same, but Bioscience. So are they, you know, why is one listed as, come on, why is one listed as SK Bioscience? They're like, why, why is one being promoted as the, the, the creator of this and then a different name on the other when they're literally the same thing? I honestly don't know, but I just find that interesting. So it turns out, these are the same thing, and they've been testing different versions of this going back a, a while. And before I actually even get into the clinical trials, here's what I found interesting. Here's what this says. Skycovione is a COVID vaccine developed by SK Bioscience, same stuff, University of Washington. It's South Korea's first homegrown COVID injection. Utilizes GlaxoSmithKline ASO3 adjuvant technology. Now, I didn't go too deep on ASO3. If you guys have any insight into that, let me know. My quick research shows that it's been used in different in flu injections in the past. One thing I did see suggested that there's an increase in side effects with that, but nothing that went too deep. There's also the, the conversation. This is where it gets interesting in this vaccinology conversation is that it's used because it increases the immune reaction. But in some cases, that's a bad thing. In any case, that's being used. Now, it says the phase three clinical trial, which is what we just saw. So we can see it's the same thing. 4,037, which, by the way, is nothing. Realize how small that is. And that's not even the worst part. When we get into how they're doing it, what they're comparing it to, it shows you this is dangerous for all the same reasons. But in and of itself, 4,037 people for a phase three trial that's already approved in the UK? Yeah. You want to explain that for me? How is that safe and effective? We, we're talking... 30, 40, 50,000 worldwide three-year trial. Come on, this is obviously in the same direction of the truncated everything based on the idea that this is the platform or that we can essentially glean or just kind of extra extrapolate the previous work into this new one, which is what they're actually doing. They're going, well, the Oxford-AstraZeneca one is clearly safe and effective. Not making that up, by the way. You know, the one they're simultaneously trying to tell you is the bad one. Those ones are the, you know, J&J, AstraZeneca, those are, the, those are the dangerous ones. Pfizer, Moderna, they're the good ones. But then suddenly they're going, well, we know this is safe and effective because they have been saying that too. So we're going to use that as the control. We'll get to it. April 2022, <clears throat> results of the phase three trial confirmed the vaccine to be safe and effective. Confirmed. <laughs> Great. It elicited approximately three times more antibodies than AstraZeneca. Right, because if it gives you more antibodies, you know that's safe and effective, right? Clearly, it's what they all care about. Now, are they the right antibodies? Does that even matter? <laughs> FDA proved that didn't even... The point is, as long as we see an, an antibody response, then we say it works. And I've played that clip many times where they tell you, well, we don't know necessarily, and this is obviously a different shot, but it's the same kind of game that constantly gets played, where they'll, be, they'll happily... Well, happily, they'll admit to you when asked that they don't actually know if that production of antibodies actually translates to protection. And then can you repeat the, the second question? I mean, obviously you have a lot of data now. What is your correlative protection is? Everybody's measuring antibodies. They're probably relevant, but as we know... That's a long question. We need a quick answer. <laughs> I would say there is no established correlate of protection. Thank you. That was a quick answer, Dr. Fink. Right. So that means we don't know. 
Not even there's no debating that there is no correlative of protection. It means that we cannot correlate the response with the protection. But we all know that it's saving lives. And that's how that gets used. Since we all can tell, we all know. Therefore, we know that that's working. That's not what's happening. The reality is that it's hurting people. So this very well could be making something that has no effect on this at all other than hurting your body. As well as the other one we should show since we're watching this is that they're telling you we don't even know how this works properly. Both of these are FDA representatives saying this in response to direct questions from experts. How should we think of micrograms in terms of the amount of spike protein that's produced by the cells? Can you kind of clarify that? Obviously, we don't have a complete understanding of the nature of the way that the vaccine works in terms of producing immune response. It's just mind-blowing. So? It elicited three times more antibodies. Well, that could be very dangerous if they're the wrong kind. Should the vaccine be approved by health regulators, which it just was, it will be distributed via the COVAX program. The South Korean government has ordered 10 million doses for its domestic use. Okay, this was last updated on January 25th, 2023. So a lot's changed since then. I find it odd they haven't updated this, which seems if it's, you know, propaganda important they seem to be editing this thing every 10 seconds so oddly choosing to leave this from january even though my point is this is what's happened since and because you as you know uk's now approved it here's what it says the korean ministry of, the, of, of food and drug safety released the results of their review on sk biosciences sky Kobion on june 27 2022 and said that the data was sufficient for approval i love these terms it's acceptable it's sufficient <laughs> it's okay it'll work According to the Korean Ministry of Food and Drug Safety, vaccine-related adverse events occurred in 13.3% of the vaccine group. In the control group, we'll show you what that actually is in a second, the adverse event rate was about 14.6%, which was not different from the vaccine group. Serious adverse events occurred in 0.5% of the vaccine group and 0.5% of the control group. Well, that might sound, first of all, it doesn't make sense when you think about it. If we're talking about something that was given to people and that have some effect, That either means that everybody everywhere is having 15% side effects from just living, which I don't think is the case, or you're telling me saline is causing 15% side effects in people? That doesn't really add up, and I'll show you why I know that's not the case. My point, though, is lastly it says, on June 29, 2022, remember, this is approved in, or even this older first phase, uh, phase one, was from July 14, 2022. So it says on June 2022, Skycovion was approved for use in South Korea. The vaccine needs an additional safety review because the, quote, number of participants in Skycovion's trial was only one-tenth of other vaccine trials. So it's interesting that when they know that, they went on and just did it again. Right? Let's just do the same le- small trial with not enough people and tell, like, why would they do the same thing again? This feels like a gamed trial to me. If the whole point was we need a bigger trial because we didn't do a big enough one, they take that and then do another small trial. It seems like that is there's a reason for that. But here's the last part. November 2022, <clears throat> this is after that post we show you from phase one and two, the production of Skycobion was indefinitely suspended because of the shot demand, because of the short demand of the vaccine. Interesting. So North Korea, or excuse me, South Korea said, well, we're not, no one, no one wants them. So we're going to stop. They, they literally suspended indefinitely the production. South Korea's government purchased 10 million doses of this with 600,000 doses released to the hospitals. Only 3,787 of those shots have been used since November. Unused doses of the vaccine were likely discarded. Oh, that makes me uncomfortable. Were they likely discarded, or are they being rebranded and given to you in the UK? (laughs) That's a valid question. 
Of course, they're going to say we would never do something like that, except when they did that during the COVID-19 scam and just arbitrarily changed the expiration date on the injections when they needed to, which we saw twice. Just a thought. I can't prove that's what's happening. They could have just made more. But it's interesting that it gets indefinitely paused in 2022. Now in 2023, they approve the same thing. Why didn't they use it back then? These are just questions. I'm not saying it necessarily proves something nefarious, but I'm going to get into the stuff that I, can, I know is very concerning. So here's back to, back to this. This first one, and this is the last update on this, was from April 18th, 2023. So you see this going not too far away from where we just were. And this one seems to say aluminum hydroxide as an adjuvant. SK Biosciences. You can see CEPI right there. Dang it. Let me get that out of here. There you go. CEPI right there. Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness and Innovations. Weird that Gates isn't mentioned, even though you know he's involved. Purpose of this study. I'll read this first. Now, this is the, again, placebo controlled. I dispute that. Well, rather, they just called it placebo something else. Dang it. Down here, it says the, 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 basically the safety and the efficacy of the SK SARS-CoV-2 recombinant protein nanoparticle vaccine, same name, GBP510, adjuvant with aluminum, which I don't even know why they think they're, that's, nobody wants that. It's dangerous. We know the dangerous side effects. People are, people are protesting to get that out of other vaccines. And one of their biggest talking points is that's not even in there anymore. Okay, well then why are you putting it in this one then if you think that's the argument? that We don't even use that anymore. Well, yeah, you clearly do, and it's dangerous. But down here, it seems to list 260 participants. Even though we can know this is the same thing, the point is that this seems to be a little bit bigger than what it said in that paper. But either way, 260. That is not enough. But phase one and two, so, you know, we're supposed to be, it's bigger as it goes forward. Apparently says, uh, where was the other part in this? Oh, just, you know, completion was Jan July 7th, 2022. So it lines up exactly with all the rest of it. It is the same study. Now, here is phase three. <clears throat> now, it's interesting that GlaxoSmithKline and the International Vaccine Institute step into this during phase three. And you can see down here, it's the same Korean locations. It's all in South Korea, Republic of Korea. So clearly, they were involved before this is used in the UK. So it's just weird overlap. It's, it's, it's almost like they're just trying to hawk a product. February 3rd, 2023, the last time they used it. Same thing. Recombinant nanoparticle vaccine, but this time they use the ASO3 instead of the aluminum. But it's the same product. How Explain for me how you can do a phase one trial with a different adjuvant and then go to phase three and change the adjuvant. Does that make sense? Unless I'm missing something, that seems pretty manipulative to me. But either way, it goes forward and tells you <clears throat> the study includes a two-dose schedule of this one, the GBP510, and the AstraZeneca vaccine as the control. You see that? Participants are expected to participate in up to maximum for 13 months. Okay. Well, it, down here it says... Stage two, phase three, randomized, active, controlled, observer blind, parallel group, multi. Okay, where's the placebo in there? Right, I mean, we just saw it over here. Right? Double blinded, placebo controlled. Huh, okay. Then this one doesn't say that. 
because they're not. They're using the AstraZeneca vaccine, which we all should know is less dangerous than Pfizer Moderna, but still very dangerous. Spike protein, all the even the overlaps we talked about before with what they've used in regard to the HIV stuff. There's all these conversations of before. But if you're trying to test this, phase three, as it says right here, to compare the, the immunogenicity to this vaccine, you're going to use this against something that, well, I mean, I guess arguably you could, you could say this was only about, but I mean, look, it says and safety study right there. Phase three is the biggest study. So you're going from a couple hundred people to 4,000, which is nothing. It should be way bigger than that. But the point is they use this to tell you it's safe. And they're comparing this to an AstraZeneca vaccine. And that goes back to the numbers going, well, don't worry. Where was that? Hold on. Right, so you can see here, August 17, 2021. That's when this first started. The point is that they're telling you, compared to the control, they had the same, the same 15%. That seems pretty manipulative to me. So interestingly enough, when I looked at this, when I broke this down on the, you know, just general search, looking up Skyvion and these different ones, I noticed that something was missing. Where's the mention of the machine deep learning aspect? I found that interesting because you can see it right here. This is just the episode from before we talked about this. You can see it right here. It mentions the play it real quick. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Oh, well, I'm not going to find that again. It took me a second. (laughs) Damn it. Well, I showed it really quickly. And the point was. Oh, well, the point was it's right here. It's not showing it on here, which is the the machine learning part of this. And I found that interesting. So here, thank you for the Discord for finding this link for me. May 30th, 2023. Oh, damn it. All the highlighting went away. I had to use the other one. Anyway, you don't care. Skycovion COVID-19 vaccine. And you can see very clearly, Sky Bi- SK Biosciences, and then it says Skycovion and Skycovion. Different names, but they're both GBP510. So right there just shows you, okay, well, they're definitely the same thing. So how do you explain all the stuff that we went through a moment ago? right? All the differentiations. The point is it's all the same thing. So why this is being juggled around from different locations and, and GlaxoSmithKline stepping in using different adjuvants for different phase trials, right? Or different placebos for different trials. It should be the same thing throughout the whole process. But what it tells you is that this is a recombinant protein-based vaccine made of proteins that form tiny particles studded so we're talking nanoparticles studded with fragments of the pandemic SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus. So this is different. We're talking about nanoparticles that are basically studded, as they're saying, with specific protein. But now it's a poly, poly or what's the term they used, with multiple different spike protein. These nanoparticles were designed by scientists at the University of Washington School of Medicine. I'll show you what that means in a second. With obviously with SK Biosciences, Collective Smith Klein, financial support from CEPI, who's predominantly funded by the Gates and Gates Foundation. In addition, Skycovion includes, as you know, GlaxoSmithKline's adjuvant ASO3. Let's see, where was it? Now, right here, the <clears throat> excuse me, the Skycovion or GBP510 is yet again a self-assembling two-component protein nanoparticle that displays 60 copies of the receptor binding domain of SARS-CoV-2 spike. Hmm. So spike protein, you know, the thing that's super dangerous. Same thing. But this one displays 60 different copies of the receptor binding domain of the spike protein using nanoparticles, which in themselves have been shown to be dangerous in the body. 
as well as oh where was the hold on um oh let me go actually well before i even get to the next part i thought it was important just to reiterate this that we've seen this before so the fact that they're even using the spike protein is one thing that we can't just let i mean the, this needs to be acknowledged for what it is the, the peer-reviewed science has shown that this thing, and yes, this, this is an important one that I don't often use the study for. The Salk, Pro, Salk, the Salk Institute, April 30, 2021, found very clearly that this, this research showed that the spike protein alone was enough to cause disease. But the study itself, is, it's important because what they're telling you is that the same thing, that the injection production of the spike protein is, in fact, the same, kind, it's the same thing being caused by whatever they're telling you is naturally happening. You can dismiss that if you want. But the point is, yes, alone, it is dangerous. This current study shows that the spike protein by itself can cause endothelial cells uh, damage to vascular endothelial cells by downregulating H2 and consequently inhibiting mitochondrial function. This is a peer-reviewed study. This is just the Salk Institute pointing this out. So we know that this is dangerous. So why are, we still, why are they still producing things that make your body make those things, even though we just saw what that does? Now, here is Arne Burkhart telling you something else about the spike protein that I think is very important that we've already played on this show. Confirm that the spike protein is produced in the deltoid muscles where the vaccine is, is uh, uh, administered, injected. But we could show it in almost all organs, more or less uh, explicitly. And here you see a case uh, where we show the testes, and uh, you, you can see that uh, in this 28-year-old man who had a healthy son uh, and who died 140 days after injection, the spike protein is strongly expressed in the uh, uh, spermatogenic uh, organ in the testes, and you can see there are almost no spermatocytes in here, but uh, and uh, it's strongly expression of uh, uh, spike protein in the spermatoconic tissue. So uh, uh, also in elder persons, this is an old man, and you can see here's also a strong expression in the sper spermatogonia. There's no, uh, not one single spermatozoan in this uh, and a strong expression of the spike protein. So if I may make a personal comment, uh, this is not a scientific comment. Uh, if I were a woman in fertile age, I would not plan a motherhood from a person, from a man who has been vaccinated. It's just sad how hard he was trying to show people this. I mean, this is vindicated stuff, man. The, the, the research has been shown many places. I was just showing you that the, the people are still going forward on the DNA contamination, all the different stuff, the spike protein, how this... Now, again, if we can see <clears throat> that this is directly affecting your body and they can prove the superior science and they can prove the spike protein, as they themselves have been forced to admit, is all over your body. How are we still going forward with the lie about the shoulder muscle? Or why is that even something that was still happening? Now, it's someone in the chat is saying the jab was suspended in November 2022. It's important to remember, in case you missed the earlier part of this, is that, yes, that's the point. That North Korea, South Korea did do that. 
because they only were able to use 3,700 and, and however many it was in that, in that report we just read. And then, it, weirdly enough, it was just approved May 26, 2023 in the UK. Very strange how this is all going forward. But after that, I want to show you this part again, because both our Burkhart discusses this as well as the, the, the doctor we just played in that video about DNA contamination that we've shown you many times that the pioneer of mRNA technology, Luigi Warren, openly st- t- t- uh, stated this on Twitter. It was deleted, but then reinstated. And that's this India Today pointing this out. He says COVID-19 vaccinated people can shed the spike protein. Twitter deleted it. As you know, the story, we talked about it. They, they gave it back because it's pretty stupid to argue that the guy who knows more than near anybody on the planet would be wrong about this. But his point was the same. He believes the shedding idea is that the vaccinated shed spike protein, not virus. Well, we know this now. It's been proven 14 times over. And it's certainly true that people vaccinated with mRNA vaccines do shed spike protein. But he goes, goes on to say in minuscule amounts that almost certainly can't cause disease. Now, I argue, and he said this in other tweets following this, the argument was being st- was stemming from the idea that you were only producing one or a limited amount. We know that's not true, right? We've, the idea that we've seen far more than just this one study. It is circulating your body, as he just showed you. It's in your sperm. It's in the organs of dead people. April 15, 2022, the MRA vaccines promote sustained synthesis of the spike protein, peer-reviewed. Okay, so the point then is that that's the case. If it's making a lot of them and it's not a minuscule amount, well, even if it is a minuscule amount, you're continuing to make them. So you're either going to continue incessantly to produce minuscule amounts and shed that, or you're going to shed more than minuscule amounts and continue to do so. The point is that this is real. So that all comes back to the point about how they're continuing to make this using the same stuff. This one has 60 different copies of the spike protein. The nanoparticle component, it goes on to say, allows for the high-level multimeric display of the RBD antigen that enhances humoral immune responses even at lower doses. Now, this may be their game of trying to lower the dose to remove what they think is causing side effects. This is, all, this, this is a game that gets played in your body, right? It's a try this, try that. Let's see what happens what they did in the whole time this platform this platform and this is the don't that's not by mistake this they're telling you that they do not need to test this because of the previous work and i'll get into that the last part of this to finish the platform also allows for simple and efficient adjustment of the vaccine to match variant strains of or other emergent pathogens what by swapping out the target antigen which the nanoparticle displays. We've been telling you this the whole time. Here's the craziest part about what this just admitted. It doesn't even have to be the same problem. Right? What they sold us on with this, oh, we have a platform. So all we got to do is find the new variant and, 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 you know, bing, bang, boom, we pump out the new injection in two weeks. Eight mice and we're good. I bet you didn't even need the eight mice. Didn't even matter. We've, we've seen this. We, they didn't need it to start. Right? We, we proved to you Moderna got the sequence from China and two days later made their injection. So did the rest of them. Even, even China admits they didn't have it isolated when they gave them that. They claim it did later, but the point is, does it even matter? I disagree with that anyway, but does it even matter? They didn't ever need it. That clip we keep showing you about Moderna where the guy's like, well, good thing we got it right. The problem is that I don't think it even mattered. If they didn't, it's hurting people. If they did, it's hurting people. If it doesn't exist, it's hurting people. It doesn't even matter. But now they're telling you, well, when this spike protein changes, we'll just pump in the new one. We don't need to do anything else. 
Also, though, if something else pops up, another another dangerous virus, well, we'll just take the same injection and just swap out what we think is the antigen. Think about how wild that is. And guess what? No safety testing. Well, it's a brand new vaccine. Doesn't that need? Nope, nope, nope. Safety. We're good. Even though it's hurting people from the beginning of this whole process. The early injections, the first platform, the first COVID-19 injection, all of them are still hurting people to this day, but they use that as an argument that because those are safe and effective, we know this one will be. It's lunacy. Phase three clinical trials showed the Skycovione induces neutralizing antibody responses and has an acceptable safety profile. Ooh, that makes you feel good. Warm and fuzzy. It says, again, and it, like, it's, it's right here. It's plain as day. They're telling you it had an acceptable safety profile and reactogenicity profile when compared to the control vaccine that 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 is oops astrazeneca that's what this vaxervia is it's right there so they compared for safety and efficacy to an injection that we know is dangerous this that they've now admitted is causing heart attacks and strokes and blood clots and all this stuff oh my god but it's safe and effective when they want it to be, and they'll use that as a control to tell you this one's even safer. This makes my head hurt. In addition, the extended phase one, two clinical trials showed a high immune response to the Omicron variant. Oh, great. So we're making this for something that doesn't exist anymore? Something that we're now, we're, we're screaming about XBB15. Well, the newest things they're even talking about are even aimed at XBB1, and we're you guys are still making Omicron? The whole thing that the WHO just said was we need to make something for the new one because these aren't working anymore. None of them were or are. They're hurting people, and yet they're going to push this out based on an, an entire faux safety trial that's based even on the wrong thing that's around us? You know why? Because none of this even matters. The clinical trial was conducted with 16 institutions, <clears throat> including... The Center for Vaccine Korea Institute. The Korean ministry approved this on June 29, 2022, and agreed to purchase 10 million. On May 30th, 2023, the UK did this. Weird how they don't mention the part where they stopped doing it. Now it says, as of May 30th, 2023, SK Bioscience has applied for an emergency use listing. You see my point? Why would it need to be an emergency use listing? Now, not even to say that, I mean, it seems over here that they're saying approve, which is weird because they don't necessarily even use that term in the UK. But either way, doesn't seem to be an emergency use, but maybe that's all this is anymore anyway. In any case, it's interesting that they went directly for that because that's the new channel, right? But then it says Skycovion is the world's first ever vaccine developed. And here's the crazy part. Well, one of the most crazy parts. Developed using what's called Rose TTA Fold. That's the part that seems to be now not included when you search for it online. Unless you dig into the research. I wonder why. A software tool that uses deep learning to quickly and accurately predict protein structures based on limited information. That's great. So we have an acceptable safety profile based on a deep machine learning AI program that gets to predict what the next thing will be without any more information, assuming it even exists. Predict what that will be. That's what they make. They then insert that into a platform based on old things they haven't tested either, and they tell you it's safe and effective. Why? Because they tested it alongside injection that's also dangerous. Pretty simple. It was designed as a three-track neural network developed in the University of Washington. So that's what they say. would help develop by them. That's what they're saying. SK Bioscience is an innovative biopharmaceutical company standing 
committed to global pandemic preparedness. Create more equitable access to vaccine. They're towing every line possible. Give us money, give us money. I think that was it that I had highlighted in here. So here is their breakdown. Let's go through it. So it says, again, Skycovion indicated to prevent. <laughs> Isn't that funny? We don't even care about stopping transmission anymore. Nothing's ever stopped transmission, you conspiracy theorist. It's always been about lessening symptoms. <laughs> That's the new mantra today, despite the very easy to prove opposite being our entire history. Just think of how brainwashed these people are today. And it seems to be a lot, but it's not the majority. I can prove that. But think about that. Immunization to prevent COVID-19. And they pretend like that kind of means transmission stopping. But as long as it reduces this and that, that does stop some transmission. It's this bending over backwards mental gymnastics. We used to at least lie to people and tell them it's about stopping transmission. (laughs) But it's caused by SARS-CoV-2, which we still could argue hasn't been isolated. Now, the main points in here. I have the other pages up in case I forget where we're looking. We'll go to that in a second. It does say 18 or older, which is an interesting choice for them. Seeing as how it's odd how aggressively they focused all these on children. But saying the safety of them and adolescents less than 18s have not been established, which this is how the game works, right? They didn't do that on the other side either. The moment they tell you you're in danger, they're just going to go, well, it's more safe to give them something we haven't tested because this is so dangerous, even though it's not. Right? Say dangerous things for your safety. Intramuscular, again. So, I mean, Dr. Bhakti would tell you this is absurd. There's no way, as we've admitted, as far as, as we've been admitted to, as Fauci stated, as they all know, if you do an intramuscular and a shoulder injection, you are not going to create mucosal immunity. So, by default, you will not create immunity to a respiratory disease. This is basic information. He said this so many times, and Fauci has admitted this, and yet here we go. There's a reason for this. I don't know why, but clearly they are just sticking with what they think. This is not what's supposed to happen for immunity to a respiratory virus. The vaccine should not be mixed in the same way, blah, blah, blah. Now, contraindications, which I've apparently been saying wrong for a long time, hypersensitivity to the active substance or into, that, that's all they got. Special warning. Now, of course, because, you know, when you, when you glean this from an old study from before and tell us that it's safe and effective, which I'll show you in a minute, based on an older, even using the old, the, the, the AstraZeneca injection, to argue this is all we can see, it just it doesn't make sense to me, at least under that one. But going forward, special warnings, precautions for use. It tells you all the typical, typical things you find, anaphylaxis, anaphylaxis anxiety, Vaccinations will be postponed in individuals suffering, you know, thrombocytopenia disorders. As with other intramuscular injections, maybe that's the whole reason, the vaccine should be given with caution in individuals receiving anticoagulant therapies. These, I'm just skimming through this. These aren't the most important parts. Well, what you will find in a lot of these is the same stuff you see before. Immunocompromised individuals, the efficacy and safety of the vaccine has not been assessed in these people. But what's weird is when the time comes, they seem to focus on them first. Every time. I'll show you the same thing with the rest of them. This is the same stuff you saw in the other ones. Hadn't been tested on immunocompromised. Hadn't been tested on elderly people. Hadn't been tested on pregnant people. And yet, weirdly, they came out and said, they should get it first because we're all going to die. Same thing here. It says, this is interesting, limitations on the vaccine effectiveness based on immunogenicity data in SARS-CoV-2 naive subjects. No protection is anticipated after the first vaccine dose. Hmm, that's interesting. 
and individuals may not be fully protected until 14 days after their second dose. Hmm. So that means, assuming there's a, what, a 14-day window there? Or let's just say it says, oh, it doesn't give you a time frame. Let's just go ahead and say it's 14 days. So that means you're, that means you're, now you have a month, an entire month period where what they'll tell you is not protected. Therefore, anything that happens is not because of the vaccine. That's completely, this is the game they played with the COVID injection. So, so the only thing you're worried about is something because of the illness? So you're just pretending like there is no side effect no ever, no matter what? Well, your own article just admitted otherwise. So the point is that if something happens within 20, 14, one day, they just go, oh, well, it hasn't even taken effect yet. Well, that has nothing to do with the side effects, as if it needs to be protective and efficacy to be able to cause a side effect. You see how stupid that is? That's what they're saying. All the experts, they must know that's stupid. As with all other vaccines, Skycobion may not protect all vaccine recipients. Efficacy was not evaluated as part of the clinical trial program. What? <laughs> yeah, we're going to get into this. This is absolutely mind-blowing. Because they compared it to the AstraZeneca shot. As if we know that's safe and effective, so it's better than that, then it is extra safe and effective. We're being gamed in very clumsy ways. No interaction studies have been performed. They never do that, by the way. Ask yourself why. As they then guaranteed, say, get this alongside whatever the current thing is. Ah, that's why God gave you two arms, that ridiculous person said. You can get your flu shot, your COVID shot, even though we know as a matter of fact that they still tell you they haven't tested them alongside each other. They haven't. We're, we're apparently over the pandemic emergency. We're, we're, go, go at it, guys. Go ahead and test them. Well, in the meantime, why don't you test the MMR vaccine against all of them together, even though you give them one shot, but you've never tested them alongside each other? No, fake news. What's fake news? The fact that you've never tested for them? No, you definitely haven't. This is how the game is played. They know this stuff, guys. They know that when you test them alongside each other, you're going to find some kind of reactive problem, which will stop them from being, and there you go. So they just go, not supposed to do it. Well, fertility, pregnancy. There is no expect no no experience with this pregnant women, which is typically the case. And the problem, though, is when they then tell you they have to get them to have a job or, you know, go in and have some kind of, you know, have your baby, <laughs> get the thing that we've never tested on your baby to, in order to deliver your baby. That happened. Animal studies do not indicate direct or indirect harm. And they're using old information from that. Administrations of this during pregnancy should only be considered where potential benefits outweigh the potential. What? So here in their own statement, they're saying, we have not tested this on pregnant women. But if we just randomly decide that whatever's happening in the world is more dangerous than something we have no idea about, then we'll just pretend that that makes sense. Breastfeeding. It is unknown if it's excreted in human milk. No direct or indirect adverse events were observed. Breastfeeding in rats. Fertility. Animal studies do not indicate this. It's the same thing. Undesirable effects. It goes into some of the side effects and so on, but it's always kind of the same stuff. You can look at the breakdown here. That there are there are already things I can see that are in those discussions that aren't listed here, which is very concerning. But the same thing that Pfizer does. They just give you a truncated version of what they tell you, and it's always headaches and sore arm and all the same stuff. Now, one thing you'll always find, how much you want to bet when this goes out inevitably that it will end up in some way causing... I don't know. Let's just take a shot in the dark. What do you think? Guillain-Barre syndrome? Anaphylactic? Well, they list that one. Or myocarditis? 
right? All these things that we seem to have after every single shot ever. Super, super rare, though. It doesn't even matter. The point is that you always seem to find them, yet you weirdly always miss them in the trials. That's weird. It's weird, isn't it? I mean, you could literally look up, look up Guillain-Barre syndrome, and it is on, after almost every vaccine I've ever seen in history, there's at least some category that goes, yeah, you know, there's a percentage that got. Why is that always seemingly happening? And why is it never found in the trials? Now, down here, it lists off the mechanism of action. Skycovion contains nanoparticles, we already talked about, of the recumbent receptor binding domain spike protein from the parental D6146 strain. Well, I thought that was interesting. So what does that mean? So are you now telling us you're using the earliest strain to make this? And why would that even remotely make sense if we're telling, if you've been screaming that it's changed a hundred times, right? Well, here, Oh, I was going to show you this too. Just this is the Skycovion pulse where it literally says pregnancy, breastfeeding. If you're pregnant, ask your doctor. <laughs> right. Shouldn't you include that we've never tested this? We don't know if it's safe. Nah. Let the doctor decide on his own who doesn't read this and listens to the CDC because that's how the game works. In any case, August 2020, I just included this where it shows the D6146, whatever that is. And you find out that, oh, that's the earliest point in this, but it wasn't the early earliest. Or excuse me, it was earlier point, but not the earliest point. This variant carrying the spike protein amino acid change, which was D614G, has become the most prevalent form of the global pandemic. Now, this is early. This is August 2020. The shift occurred even in local epidemics where the original D614 form was well established. So why are they calling this the parental strain? Right? That's what they're calling it, the parental strain of the spike protein. But it's not, though. As you can see, this was the switch from one of the earlier strains. So I find that an odd thing to state. And then you can find here what this ultimately is. And I found a couple interesting points here. Oh, and this I just included this for us to just show what this is, clearly what it means, right? The parental virus strain. So the earliest version of this, which would be the Wuhan strain or whatever we're calling the, 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 the illusion that we're being sold. And then it says the D6146 strain is caused by an A to G nucleotide mutation at this position in the Wuhan reference strain. Just so it's, again, very clear. This is the... I guess, the secondary version, if we're believing that's what actually happened. Nonetheless, they list it as the parental version of this. It goes on to say that according at this Newsweek article, according to Oscar McLean, a, a bioinformation at the bioinformatician, bio it's interesting, at the Center for Virus Research at the University of Glasgow, there have been more than 20,000 mutations to the coronavirus in the pandemic so far. This is 2020. That's interesting. He says D614G is just the most well-known. So the point, the reason I'm showing you this on a quick side note is the illusion that every one of these changes are all, kill, are all we're all going to die. The reality is what we've been told from the beginning, if this is even actually happening. It's saying that D614G has been the dominant form of SARS-CoV-2 in Europe and the USA for a while now. By definition of possessing unique mutations, we would have thousands of, quote, strains of SARS-CoV-2. However, these viruses are all expected to be functionally very similar, and so it's somewhat meaningless to this definition. But what happened was the media and the government got a hold of the idea that everything, every time it changes, we're in danger, and this is where the game spun out of control. But this is what we should always have remembered and known, that generally viruses do tend to get more infectious and less pathogenic over time, which, by the way is why I kept telling you, they kept going, it's super more infectious and could be more dangerous. And then never followed up on that. 
right? They'll, right now, Omicron, well, it's very infectious, and it might be more... Da- <laughs> yeah, we haven't figured that out yet. They knew this was the game, if it's even actually happening. And they kept pushing, it kept pushing because they kept you in fear. Now, the parental strain is an odd thing to put it as. Either way, why would we want either the Wuhan strain or the very next thing that changed that apparently is not even in circulation anymore to be what this is based on? Right? I mean, the one thing mentions the Omicron variant, but this very clearly says D614G. So why in the world are they making something that creates so-called antibody response to a strain that's not even around anymore? Because I don't think this even matters. They don't even think people are going to look at this most likely. And those that do, they call conspiracy theorists. And this is just one more thing. Now, our, this may not even become the focal point if we switch into some new version of this or some new thing they put on. The bottom line is this is still the same game. And they don't care that we can see what they're doing. It's just still happening. The vaccine elicits neutralizing antibodies as well as cellular immune responses, which may contribute to protection or not at all because we don't know how this thing works. Are you literally telling us that this creates antibodies and cellular immune responses when it's injected into your muscle, which we know this, I mean, overall, this is not what's actually happening. Mark my words, as they call me, I'm not a scientist, you know what you're talking about. Well, I've done a lot of work on this over the last three and a plus years. And before that, I was not stupid about this. And I think it's very clear to me, based on what we've already seen, the information we're going forward with, that this is the same thing we're talking about. It's, and here's the last part that I think is absolutely crazy. The efficacy. So we're not, no, not safety anymore. Just whether or not it has an effect. Well, guess what? The, the efficacy of Skycovion has been inferred by immunobridging of immune responses to an authorized COVID-19 vector vaccine AstraZeneca, for which vaccine efficacy has been established. Oh, has it now? AstraZeneca, which is barely even on the market in most places, apparently is safe and effective according to this study. And so we're using that to argue this one is safe. Immune bridging. We've inferred it. Eight mice all over again. We're just going, well, that one's good. So we're going to take this piece and say that makes this one safe too. The main objective of the clinical phase three study was to assess the immunogenicity and safety of Skycovione compared to the control vaccine, AstraZeneca. Does that make sense to anybody? This was a multi-center, observer-blind, randomized controlled trial adults over 18, in, in, conducted in Korea, Philippines, Thailand, Vietnam, Ukraine, and New Zealand. Interesting how Ukraine has time to conduct clinical trials while they're in the biggest war. We're all, everything's falling apart and everyone, yeah, that makes sense, right? They also instituted all the Great Reset implementations, but, you know, it's all because they have extra time. The primary immunogenicity analysis set included, wow, 1,318 people. This program was mostly 95% Asian. I think that was basically it. I don't think anything else highlighted in here, but you guys can go through the rest of this for yourselves. I mean, the crux of the point is they're using AstraZeneca to compare it to, using AstraZeneca in this case as well to I mean, they're using AstraZeneca to test it with alongside the trials, and then they're comparing the outcome of that with what they say is the outcome of AstraZeneca, which they're lying about all of this. We know that we've, they've been hiding the information around almost everything, every part of this we're pointing at. Now, last couple points in all of this is that it's not stopping there. Brooke Jackson points out another injection. New self-replicating RNA shingles vaccine. 
due to its self-replicating nature, this is a real thing. And it's happening right now, May 30th, 2023. In contrast to conventional mRNA vaccines, self-replicating RNA transiently generates double-stranded RNA. Why would we think this makes sense? We're not talking spike protein here, but we are in fact talking about something that does something very similar using the same platform mRNA-based game, but this one continues to make them. But guess what? So does the other one, right? Let's not pretend like we're not just being lied to about what this really is. Sustained synthesis. We're talking about the same thing. It goes on to say the JCXH105 vaccine. So again, this one is a a self-replicating vaccine developed for shingles. All, but by the way, which is also being caused, as you can see as an outcome, as some of the side effects from the COVID-19 injections. But it says, vaccine express, expresses an engineered VZV antigen in vivo for longer period of time than non-replicating. Why do we think we want that? So you want it to keep circulating, keep making stuff? I mean, that's what the rest of them are doing. Due to its self-replicating nature, it may be effective with a significantly reduced dose level. Ah. When compared to non-replicating conventional. Okay. So let's, let's try that. Stick it in your body. Let's see what happens. Remember I thought the tightrope we're talking about with the lipid nanoparticles, the pegylation, both which cause problems. But if you balance it just right, well, no, you're, it's, it's hurting people. Just like the old ones did, same thing. So now we're, well, let's just lessen the dose. Maybe that'll do it. I mean, that's how I see it anyway. But the bottom line is this is sprinting forward. Now, here's what Dr. Bhakti had to say about any form of these, any of them, regardless of how it's made, what it's aimed at, this is what he told you, and he's right. All gene-based vaccines, independent of manufacturers, produce the same result in the vaccinees. He has looked at 15. In the last four days, the number has been increased to 17 individuals who died after vaccination. These were people who died at home, at work, in the car, doing their sports, etc., etc., etc. There's no question now anymore about what is going on. And the answer is, in the organs of these people, in 90%, he found clear evidence for autoimmune self-attack by killer lymphocytes on the tissues. Hmm. It's just amazing what people can ignore. And I'm going to just finish by reiterating the reality that regardless of everything else, reanalysis of their own information. Oh, excuse me. Well, that one too, actually. I thought I was grabbing the other one. The, uh, this one. I'll include this too. But the point is that the reanalysis of their own data, peer-reviewed, not, not pulled down, still up, 2023, 2022, excuse me, reanalysis of the phase three trial. So think about this in the context of the, the, the minuscule 4,000-person phase three trial that they just approved for the UK based on gleaning information from other trials. It's, it's so dangerous it makes my, makes my teeth hurt. Same thing. They reevaluated Pfizer Moderna's phase three trials, and oh, turns out we kind of made a little boo boo, right? When we said it was 99% effective, we made 36% more dangerous. Our mistake. Yeah, that's where we are. And of course, the main point is overall, the Ionitis group and another peer reviewed study from 2023 found the fact that this was never dangerous long before we ever got here. 
at a global rate level. Pre-vaccination infection fatality rate before anybody was injected may have been as low as 0.03 for under 59, 0.07 under 69. And the point there, 94% of global population is in fact within that category, 70 and under. 94% had a dramatically less risk than the flu. According to this peer-reviewed study that is still standing at the top of the research, 86% are younger than 60. We've been lied to since day one. Not only is it not stopping, it's sprinting forward. It's on us to do something about it. Not violence, never violence, but it's time to stand up. The time is definitely now. They are doing everything they can to push this and drive it forward, jamming that square peg in the round hole, but we're going to stop it, guys. I believe that. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for tuning in. Continue to support the platform. Lots more coming your way. I love you as always. Question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.